Hey there, and welcome to the United Church Podcast. We are a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love. We are striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you enjoyed this week's homily. In your relationships with one another, have the main same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Grant us, almighty God, that the words which we have heard this day with our ears may through your grace be so grafted inwardly in our hearts that they may bring forth in us the fruit of good living to the honor and praise of your name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I've been the witness and even participant of a ton of triumphal entries. Perhaps the most memorable for me was in high school, right after we won nationals. We won the national championship as a team, as a group, as a crew, and we were on the charter bus making our way back home downstate from Chicago when we entered into the town, and all around us were these fire trucks and police cars all over the place. And we're like, what just happened? Like, something bad just happened right here. And they got in like this beautiful formation and they escorted us all the rest of the way through the town, blaring their horns, like honking and sirens whooping like crazy until we reached the high school. We unloaded off the bus and were surrounded by a throng of people. And by a throng of people, it was over 300 people had come out to cheer us on because we won nationals. Now, you might be wondering, like, wow, that's pretty cool. Like, what kind of nationals did you win? Show choir. That's right. That's right. National show choir champions, baby. Woo! We did it. Anyhow, it was this beautiful scene of people coming around and cheering and celebrating with such exuberance and such excitement. We felt like rock stars as we walked off the bus. There were banners and signs and streamers and screaming and cheering and high fives. And it was amazing. A couple of years ago, I did the March to the Match, which happens every single Sounders home match. This is the scene of the March to the Match. And it kind of looks like a riot with all the smoke in the air, right? Kind of looks like a riot. But Thousands of people gather in Occidental Square and they light all of these like smoke screens off in the colors of the sounders and we make our way to the stadium led by the marching band. 
the, the sound wave. And they're, they're playing all sorts of amazing stuff. And then all of a sudden, they stop. And the entire crowd just begins to chant and cheer and scream. And I found myself, especially on this particular night, I found myself at the very front of the march to the match walking with this guy. Yeah, that's TV's Drew Carey, right? Yeah, and not only that, but he's part owner of the Sounders. And we walked together and talked a little bit. And I said, hey, Drew, can I just get a selfie with you? He's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And not only that, not only was like super kind and super amazing, he was like, hey, we get better light over here. Let's face this way. He knew what he was doing, right? It was great. He knows about lighting and all that wonderful stuff. And we had a great time as we made our way walking down the street through this triumphal entry into CenturyLink Field for the Sounders. What was even better was that night they were playing the Timbers and they beat them. So it was even better that way. When I was, when I was a little kid, it, I, it, was, uh, it was 1984. And for some reason, we were a stop on the presidential tour for Ronald Reagan. And right here, this little circle, this is Air Force One coming in for a landing at our tiny, tiny, tiny little airport. I mean, a tiny airport. I was surprised that a 747 could actually land there now that I think back upon it because it's the tiniest stinking airport known to man, right? But not only was there this throng, but you can see, like, there's a marching band, there's people with signs, there's all sorts of people. And when I was asking my dad about it, I said, Dad, how many people were there? Were there like a thousand people? He goes, yeah, try like quintuple, like, just grow that number exponentially. The whole airfield was just full of people. My dad was in grad school at the time, and he grabbed me, and he put me on his shoulders, and I took this next picture. That's how close we were to Reagan and Governor Thompson, who was governor of Illinois at the time in 1984. And the, right in the background was like this, was right there, the backdrop was Air Force One. I was four years old. I don't remember this other than the pictures that we took, right? Like this was my experience and we were that stinking close. And I was actually the photographer for that picture at four years old. I felt really good about myself when I learned that. I was talking to my dad. I was like, hey, did you take that picture? How did that work? He goes, no, 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 you were on my shoulders. You just, you grabbed the camera and you snapped it. I was like, I did pretty good. I did pretty good. I'm pretty proud of myself with that. But there was this huge, huge, huge throng of people that had gathered around and began cheering and shouting, four more years, four more years. That was the chant that happened over and over and over again. One of the things that I find really fascinating with like this political rally, because that's really what it was, was a political rally in one of his stops for re-election, was this next picture. This is the original picture. The, the, the plane is up here now. That's Air Force One. But over here, there's this sign. There's this sign, and you can't read it very well, but it says, Peace Through Strength, Reagan. Like, it was this political campaign, this political ad that where, where, where Reagan believed that what we needed to do as a country was be stronger than ever in order to win the Cold War. That we could actually have peace in our day and in our time. That we could end the Cold War if we were stronger than the Soviets. If we were stronger than our enemies. If we, had amassed, if we could amass all of the military and intelligence might possible, we could finally experience peace in our day, peace through strength. Today, 
is Palm Sunday. Today is the moment where we remember and in some respects celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, which marks the beginning of Holy Week. It, it, it marks the beginning of the final week of Jesus' life. And when Jesus came in to when Jesus came into Jerusalem, he came into this throng of people that were screaming and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. They believed that Jesus was about to usher in a new kingdom of peace. That Jesus was about to usher in a new moment of hope and possibility for them as an oppressed people. Peace was at hand. And both Matthew, well not both, but all of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of the Gospels record this moment as Jesus mounting a donkey... Not a stallion, not a horse, like, like a normal Caesar would, like a normal ruler would in that day, a king. But he mounts a donkey, which was a symbol of peace. And as he begins to make his way into town, into the city of Jerusalem, people grab these palm branches and they throw them down in front of him to line the way, almost like a royal entry. They're, they're carpeting the ground with palm branches. But not only that, people were grabbing their cloaks and taking them off and also throwing it down because they needed the road in to be longer. They needed to have a longer royal carpet for this Jesus that was about to usher in peace. I reflect upon this moment of the triumphal entry a lot because I think it's one of the more fascinating moments in Jesus' life. One of the more fascinating things that, that happened to him, not that he did, but that happened to him. And Henry Nouwen is one of my favorite like, spiritual writers and authors. He wrote this about this triumphal entry. Jesus went to Jerusalem to announce the good news to the people of that city. And Jesus knew that he was going to put a choice before them. Will you be my disciple or will you be my executioner? Jesus went to Jerusalem to put people in a situation where they had to say yes or no. Jesus was making his way into the city and causing a stir. And not just causing any kind of stir, but like an uproar, a, a sense of like excitement, a palpable excitement, but also a sense of fear and terror on the other side. Those that were in power were seeing this Jesus begin to make his way into the city, and they thought, what does this mean for me? These people seem to be with him and not with me. And Jesus was forcing this question, will you be, will you be my disciple or will you be my executioner? This, this is the question that we get to wrestle with. Will we be the executioner of Jesus? Or will we be his disciple? Our text today in the lectionary, as we've been walking through the lectionary throughout our Lenten season, our text today is what Taylor read for us earlier, Philippians chapter 2. And it's this really fascinating hymn that Paul writes and ascribes to Jesus, that he presents and posits forward as like, this is who this Jesus is that we have to account for. This is who this Jesus is that we have to answer 
too, and with our own hearts and with our own minds. But what's really fascinating about the people that he's writing to, it's in the book of Philippians. And Philippians was a letter written to the people in Philippi, a, a small town, a small city that, that, that really wrestled a lot with who this Jesus was in their letter. What's great about the letters is that we don't get to see the questions that they were asking. Paul oftentimes was writing in response to their questions. They, were, they had these, these ideas or these thoughts, and they're like, we really are wrestling and struggling through these things, and we don't know how to answer them. So, Paul, will you please expound on this for us? Paul, will you please give us some semblance of an idea? Now, the Philippian people were really fascinating because they were so Romified, if you will. They were so proud to be citizens of the Roman Empire. They found themselves all in a tizzy when it came to like royalty coming by their way, when it came to officials from Rome coming into their presence. They were always so excited to be around this royalty. They would throw parades as they would usher them into town. They would have all of this hoopla, all of this excitement their own sorts of triumphal entries. They were proud to be Roman. And much like we oftentimes as Americans will chant USA, USA, especially at soccer games and the Olympics and in inappropriate places as well. If you've ever traveled abroad, you can experience that on your own. It's pretty remarkable. Rome, or the, the people of Philippi would do the same thing. Romans, Romans, right? Like they were so excited. Rome, Rome, who's our man, right? Like they just cheer in excitement for this empire, for what it was that they were a part of. They were excited to be citizens of the empire, citizens of who ruled the world. But Rome had this really fascinating belief, and it, it came all the, all the way through their Caesars. Rome had this really fascinating belief about how peace could come about into this world. They believed with everything that they had, not only as a Caesar, who was the one that promulgated all of this, but as a citizenry and as a people, that the way in which they could have peace was through the Pax Romana, which means the peace of Rome. The peace of Rome was this idea that we can have peace when you submit your ways to us. We not only are the stronger army, we are not only the stronger people, we are not only the more technologically advanced, we're not only the people that, that own all of the wealth in the world at the time, we're not only this big, bad, amazing empire, but if you would just submit to us and join our empire, if you would recognize that we are stronger than you, that we are better than you, that we are more powerful than you, if you would just submit to us, there would be peace on earth. The Pax Romana. It spread like wildfire throughout the empire, which is how they got citizens to join their army, to make their way out, to step into the world and actually extend the borders and the boundaries of the Roman Empire. 
Alexander the Great made his way all the way over into India, expanding the empire. They moved their way up into Britain. They moved their way up into the land of the Huns in Germany. They continued to expand northerly and easterly and westerly all the way over into Spain and then even down south throughout the northernmost parts of Africa. Like the Roman Empire continued to expand underneath this idea that if you would just submit to us, we wouldn't have to come in and wipe you out. Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. And here is Jesus. Here is Jesus stepping in on a donkey saying, no, 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 no. There's a different peace that I offer you. There's a different peace, a different way of understanding who I am and what I am about. And here is Paul writing to the Philippians saying, yes, there is a different way of understanding peace than through strength. There is a different way of understanding peace than through submission. It is the peace of Christ, the Pax Christi. The peace of Christ. In Philippians chapter 2, in verse 2, this is what Paul writes. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility... Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships, cultivate this mindset in your community, which is in fact a community in Jesus Christ. Cultivate this mindset in your community, which is in fact a community in Jesus Christ. The Pax Christi, had nothing to do with submission. The Pax Christi had nothing to do with strength. The Pax Christi had everything to do with a mutual submission. A submission to one another as Christ submitted himself to us. We, you and I, we belong to each other. That is where peace resides. That is where peace rests, is that you and I, that we belong to each other in a sense of mutual submission. What I find really fascinating about this idea of the the Pax Christi, the peace of Christ, what I find super fascinating about it is oftentimes when we hear, we hear about what it means to be a follower of Jesus is that there's a submission on our end, and that's it. That all we have to do is submit ourselves to Christ, and that's the end of the story. Like if we submit ourselves to him, then the peace of Christ will reign supreme in our lives. Submit yourselves to Jesus. But what we forget Which honestly sounds a lot like the Pax Romana, right? Just submit yourselves. Just submit yourselves and peace will come. But what we miss is that Jesus first submitted himself to us. It's that now in quote over again. 
what will you do? Will you be my disciple or will you be my executioner? He comes in in the triumphal entry on a donkey, submitting himself, knowing, knowing what is going to happen to him, knowing that there is a decision that has to be made, but yet he submits himself to us. Mutual submission is the way of Jesus. Mutual submission is the way of Christ. Mutual submission is the way of peace. We belong to each other in this space and in this place. That in this time and in this place and in this space, you will never walk alone because we are submitted to one another, that we are caring for one another, that we are taking care of each other. Jesus offers us the way to peace with each other. Jesus offers us the way to peace in our relationships with each other, that we no longer have to live in a sense of animosity or enmity with one another, that we are no longer enemies with one another, but that we can live in peace through this idea of mutual submission, which is what Paul is writing about in Philippians. Have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus. Cultivate this mindset within your community and there will be no enmity. There will be no animosity. There will be peace in your place and in your time. But it doesn't just end there. This is not just a, a peace between one another, but it's a peace that is found within ourselves. That we can actually experience peace in our own understanding of who we are, our own core identity, who we are at the very depths of our being. If we would submit ourselves to ourselves, not warring and not fighting and not beating ourselves up, but if we would submit to the reality of who we are as people, that that enmity, that anger, that animosity, that depression, that frustration, that, that terrible mindset of ourselves, that image of who we are would fall away and we could experience a true peace in ourselves. But again, it doesn't end there. Christ's, Christ's salvation, Christ's peace also includes our world, the created order around us. That if we would actually live submitted mutually to this creation that constantly submits itself to us and allows us to take and take and take and take, if we would turn, in turn submit ourselves to this creation around us, this creation that Paul says in Romans is groaning for the sons and daughters to be revealed, if we would submit ourselves to this created order around us, the anger that is experienced between us and the world, between climate change, between the pollution that takes place in our world, that could all change if we would mutually submit ourselves to creation. And the same is true of our relationship with God. If we would submit ourselves to God who has submitted himself to us, if we would submit ourselves there, we might find peace with God. Scripture in Colossians says, which is kind of a, a sister letter to Philippians, says that once you were alienated from God, once you found yourselves to be enemies of God, but through Christ and through his resurrection, you have been made whole. You can be found at peace with God. 
This, this is the Pax Christi. This is the peace of Christ. It is a totality. It is a wholeness of peace that is offered to us. The same peace that he offered in the triumphal entry as he made his way in. Usher, ushering the good news of the kingdom of God here to us now. That we can come near to this kingdom that has come near to us. Jesus has submitted himself to us. Will we, in turn, submit ourselves to him? Now and put it, uh, re recap that now and quote, where he said, where Jesus said, will you be my disciple or will you be my executioner? This is our choice. As we step into this Holy Week, which culminates on Friday with Good Friday, still one of the most awful terms for the execution of Jesus that I can, I don't know how we got there. I still don't know. I don't understand. All the searching, I still can't find a good answer for why we call it Good Friday other than selfishness. But as we mark today with the triumphal entry, making our way towards this Jesus, marking the week that is ahead and all of the beautiful things that took place this week leading up to Friday, we have this question before us. Will we be his disciple or will we be his executioner? Will we choose the peace of Christ or will we choose the peace of Rome? Will we choose the peace of wholeness that is found in Christ? Or will we believe that peace comes through strength? Will we fall into our cultural narrative that has been there since Rome? And even before that, that peace only comes through strength. Or will we choose the peace that passes all understanding through Christ? Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at noon at 1316 3rd Avenue West in Queen Anne. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.